today on CityCast Madison. It's state budget season, so right now, government buzz is all about the Benjamins, baby. And Wisconsin is in the unique position of having a historic surplus. So what does that mean for the city of Madison? Unfortunately, not much. Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway says Madison isn't getting its fair share. And without state money, the choices aren't good. Cut back city services or ask voters to raise property taxes. The mayor joins producer Dylan Brogan to talk about what's on the table. It's Monday, June 26th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Mayor, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the, the more recent details, just how is the city doing financially? You know, we're doing as well as can be expected, given all of the constraints that the state puts on us. I think we've got really strong financial management. We've got a good uh, rainy day fund and we weathered the pandemic relatively well. I mean, obviously we took some hits to revenue during the pandemic, but we've recovered almost entirely out of that and have been able to, you know, manage the ARPA funds that we were allocated such that they're gonna carry us through uh, a couple years. Uh, the 24 budget will be the last year that we have those funds, but uh, we've been able to to sort of spread those out over time to smooth the impact. And ARPA is all the pandemic aid from the federal government. That's right. Let's talk about state aid for, for Madison. Is is it a big part of the, the city budget? It's a, a not insignificant portion of the city's budget and what's, Perhaps most significant about it is that we, again, thanks to restrictions from the legislature, are heavily reliant on the property tax as our main source of revenue. And then state aid is the the next biggest source of revenue for us. So it's really important in that if state aid goes down or doesn't keep up with inflation, more has to go on to the property tax. And, um, you know, that's sort of the balance uh, that I look at. And, you know, of course, there's there's some other fees and other types of revenue that come in, but they're all relatively small compared to those two. So a lot of just how the city's day-to-day operations run, we need that shared revenue, as they called it, from the state. That's right. And and I think it's important. I mean, they, they call it shared revenue for a reason, because the grand bargain that was struck some years ago was that the state would do the income tax and the sales tax, and local governments would do the property tax, and that the state would then share the revenue that was generated by the sales tax and the income tax back to the places where it is generated. That's our money, too, to some extent. Right. It's our money. Yes. And you'd rather have the state provide aid to local governments like Madison instead of having to rely so much on property tax? Why is that? Uh, Actually, my first choice would be to be able to do sales and income tax at the local level to have more control over it and be able to craft a more progressive tax structure for Madison. But absent that... What I would like is for the state to return the revenues that's generated in places to local governments. And um, so, you know, if you look at what we were getting 20 years ago in shared revenue, it was more in just flat dollar terms 
than we will be getting after this newest historic bump that's happening. Let's get into the historic bump. You're talking about the the New Deal that the GOP lawmakers and the governor they struck a grand bargain, and it and it will boost aid to local governments. So is it is it good for Madison? No, it's terrible for Madison. Why is it terrible for Madison? We're getting the lowest per capita increase in shared revenue. We're getting a grand total of $10 per person. And we are getting $2.8 million more than previously, but that only brings us up to in the range of $7 million. We were getting $8 million 20 years ago. And if we had kept pace with inflation, we'd be getting $17 million. If we had gone with what the governor proposed, we'd be getting 22 million. So 2.8, like, thanks, but it's really insufficient. And it doesn't at all take into account the fact that Madison is the fastest growing population center in the state. It drives the state's economy. So all of that generation of income tax and sales tax a very substantial portion of that is happening here in Madison, and we're not getting anywhere close to that coming back to us in so-called shared revenue. Do we get a lower like increase compared to other cities? Yes. Yeah, we, we, were, we were targeted, Dylan. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, right? Obviously, there's a deal here for Milwaukee, and, and I'm glad for them, and they certainly need it. And then there's Madison, and then there's everybody else. And so Madison was specifically exempted from the increase in revenues that's in this final deal. So that the amount that we're getting is what we were proposed to get at the very beginning. And again, that's uh, you know an additional $2.8 million, which is just really insufficient. Well, anyone who has been, spent any time around the Capitol knows that Madison is a little bit of a punching bag rhetorically. Apparently we are financially as well. But it isn't that Madison just takes and takes from the rest of the state. I mean, is it fair to say that we're, we're subsidizing a lot of the rest of the state? Yes. I think our economic growth is, at this point, with this shared revenue deal, subsidizing. Well, that's frustrating. Yeah, I have feelings about it. <laughs> All right. Well, during the campaign, you know, we did hear some frank assessments of upcoming challenges Madison will face with its finances. Um, so is this state deal that struck you, know, 10 bucks per person, is that going to help solve a looming deficit or, or deficit issues generally? It helps in a very, very small way, not really significant. Just to be clear, part of what's so frustrating about this shared revenue deal or, or lack of shared revenue deal for Madison is that the reason we have a problem is the state legislature. The reason that we have any kind of structural deficit is because the state legislature caps how much we can increase the levy or the property tax every year. And so every year for the, well, since Scott Walker, our costs have risen faster than our ability to raise the property tax. And so our costs to continue just to do what we're doing this year, next year is going up 7% for 2024. That's an additional $30 million. And so we're getting an extra $2.8 million, which is really nice, but it's not 30 million. And so we are put in this problem of having these gaps between our cost to continue and what we can raise by the legislature. And then they are not giving us any tools to solve the problem. It's a real conundrum. And it's not just for Madison, it's for every local government 
and even local governments that are doing better under this shared revenue deal are still facing significant structural deficits because of the levy limits. Is it historic that we got a shared revenue deal? Yes, it is, because they haven't done anything but cut it for decades. But it's not solving the problem and, and it's not solving Madison problems. So, you know, we are going to have to continue to look very carefully at the services we're providing um, and how we can find efficiencies and how we can raise additional revenue. Because otherwise there might be cuts to services or, or and that often takes the the form of layoffs in the city staff. Is that what you're trying to avoid? Will that happen? No, that's what we're trying to avoid. You know, our operating budget is about 80% salaries. So there's not a whole lot of room to cut things without cutting salaries. But we are always trying to find ways to uh, to do what we're doing or even more with less money uh, to be more efficient, to use the staff we have more efficiently and to generate revenue in you know whatever creative ways we can. So that's what we're looking at again for the 24 budget. And um, in fact, today I'm going to give the instruction to managers about putting together their operating budget requests and um, asking them to manage to a smaller budget next year. So next year, you think this is going to be a tough budget process? I think 24 is manageable uh, in large part because we do still have the ARPA funding and we had a couple of big TIDs closed. So we have some one-time money that can get us through 2024. I think the real problems start to hit in 25 and 26. And that's when we're going to have to make some really tough decisions. Okay. And that's a tax incremental financing district, a TID, right? That's right. Hmm. So, I mean, when you say smaller, agencies are going to have to work with a smaller budget. Uh, how much smaller? The impact on agencies is about a 1% cut. Um, but there's some things, again, that we're doing in the rest of the budget um, to reduce our expenditures. And again, to, to look to find revenues. And like you said, well, some one-time money this year because of the pandemic aid and, and, and just some one-time funds will make it slightly easier this year. Okay. That's right. Speaker Robin Voss, uh, the reason why he would say that we put restrictions on local governments is you're one of those spendocrats that would just tax everyone to death. I mean, is that, <laughs> does there any truth to that? Are you a spendocrat? I'm not. I'm not spendocrat. <laughs> That's a great word, Dylan. You know, I think our community expects a certain level of service, and and frankly, I hear about it on a regular basis that that folks expect a certain level of service around trash and recycling and street cleaning and um, road repair and libraries and parks and you know go on down the line, right? And um. That's great. I love the level of service that we provide here in Madison, but it costs money. And, you know, that's the trade-off. So you can live in a community that has excellent services and you have to pay for them somehow. Or you can live in a community where you have low taxes and you don't have good services. You can't have both. We have seen a number of cities in Wisconsin had to go to referendum on the ballot to, to solve these operating uh, or the, just this issue of costs going up and to do the same thing just costs more every year. And when you're not getting that increase, that's difficult. So our school district is considering referendums, a referendum next year. Do you think Madison will ever have to do that? Oh, it's absolutely on the table. It's It's one of the few tools that we have available to us at this point in time. We've used most of the fees that are available to us. There's a few more that we're looking at. And there's really only so far you can raise fees. 
So a referendum is absolutely an option. Do you worry, though, that, you know, we have great services in Madison. I think people do expect them. But does that price people out? And some people just can't afford to live here because of that. How do you balance that? Yeah, it's it's a huge problem. And it, it comes back to the fact that, you know, this the state's constitution's uniformity clause doesn't allow us, for example, to give tax credits to long-term low-income homeowners, which I would love to be able to do to help people stay in their homes. So, you know, we have to get creative. It's one of the one of the ways that we got creative was with the MADCAP program, which helps low-income households with the costs of their municipal bill. So we're very cognizant of the fact that most of the fees that we rely on go onto the municipal bill. And that bill has been going up every year, in part as a result of the levy limits imposed by the state legislature. We have to find the revenue somewhere. So we developed the MADCAP program so that folks who are low income can get a monthly amount off their bill if they're income qualified. And so, it, you know, things like that help us to soften the blow on low in, lower income households. And, you know, we have a number of different programs that are designed to help people stay in their homes um, if they are uh, low income or low wealth. And I hope people take advantage of those because we definitely know that when you rely too much on the property tax, which again, we do because that's what the state legislature has left for us, that you really can have an impact on folks and very aware of that. And it's part of why I wish we had the opportunity to rely more on a mix of revenue. So the sales tax, the income tax, or a meaningful increase in shared revenue. So the Madison can't just... And on uh, you know, right now, the sales tax five and a half percent. We can't just increase that a half a percent on our own to help pay for things. No, we're not allowed. But it's funny that maybe you and Robin Voss, um, you'd like you'd like less government too, just less of state government under Robin Voss. Well, in general, I, you know, my philosophy is that things should happen closest to the people, and that's local government, and that state. Federal government should set floors, not ceilings. You know, we should have a standard building code at the state level, but local governments should be able to exceed that and ask for better buildings in our places. And just one example, you should have a statewide minimum wage and local governments should be able to exceed that minimum wage if their local economic conditions warrant it. And by the way, they do. There's a role for state government, no question. I just don't think that role is to continually squash local governments and take away local control. Well, before we go, I just want to ask you quick how the rollout of the new transit network is going. We got all new Madison Metro bus routes and stops. Big switchover. How is it going? I think it's going really well. The word that I'm getting back from staff and from riders is that, you know, it takes a minute to figure it out. But it's all up on Google Maps. Um, the transit app is working. Folks are able to navigate their way um, around the system pretty well. And it's actually been much less disruptive than we were expecting. I think we were expecting a much higher call volume. We did get a lot of calls in the first couple of days, but that's tapered off. The ride guides are out there in their yellow vests helping people navigate the system. And I think that's going relatively well also. And um We've seen some delays, mostly due to construction and to drivers answering a lot of questions, which is hard to do and drive at the same time. But uh, I think that's starting to smooth out as well. So we'll see what this week looks like. But so far, I think it's going really well. 
Do you miss the like uh, the the numbered system? Like I was very attached to the five for a while there. Or um, yeah, I guess I am a route A person now. Yeah, I mean, I it's a little weird to switch from from numbers to letters. There are good reasons for doing it. It meant that we didn't have to do all of the signs overnight, which is definitely worth it. But yeah, it's going to take a, a hot sec to to get used to the fact that I ride the B and not the 27 or the 28 or the four. Did anything surprise you about the rollout? Um, I, I don't think anything really surprised me, but I, I will say that the first day that I, I got on the B, you know, looking it up on my app, it comes every 15 minutes, which is like amazing. <laughs> and so it really does take some of that anxiety out of your day of, I got to hustle to make this bus because the next one isn't coming for half an hour. If you know that the next one is in 15 minutes, it's just a little less stressful on that morning commute or perhaps more appropriately in the afternoon when I'm trying to get out of the office. It's okay if I answer one more email because there's another bus in 15 minutes. Well, we'll have you back on to talk about the BRT lines that are coming, man, a year, but it's going to feel, it's going to go by quick. They'll be coming soon. Yep. Coming soon. We're excited about it. And we're we actually just put in our letter uh, to start the process for the North-South BRT as well, hoping that that will be received favorably by the federal government and we'll get the funding to do that. We'll let you get back to city business. Um, Mayor, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Dylan. It's always a pleasure. That's Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway with CityCast producer Dylan Brogan. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Budget cuts for the UW. The State Budget Committee wants to give the University of Wisconsin system nearly half a billion dollars less than they requested. Republican lawmakers are at odds with Governor Evers on this, so it's a showdown. And speaking of the Benjamins, while many of us are staying cool in the AC, two Madison utility companies want to hike your bill. But Dane County and a number of community groups say, hey, not so fast. Wisconsin Power & Light and MG&E both want to raise electric and natural gas rates next year. And they want to change the way they pay customers who generate their own power with solar panels. And that's where the county's stepping in, saying these increases threaten our climate goals. Dane County is also a big solar customer. Their buildings are 100% powered by renewable energy. But... All rate hikes have to be approved by the state. So you'll be hearing more about this. And the ReStore is on the move. This popular spot for recycled home parts run by Habitat for Humanity of Dane County is opening a store on Odana Road. It'll be in the old Odana Antiques Mall. This is in addition to their Eastside store on Monona Drive. We'll toss a link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell the spendocrat in your family about us? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, try and stay cool. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin.